0: I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. This is the word of the Lord. The Gospel reading is from Luke 3. 1 to 6 and it can be found on page 1029 in our church bibles Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea Herod tetrarch of Galilee his brother Philip tetrarch of Eturia and Trachonitis and Lysanius tetrarch of Abilene During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. This is the gospel of the Lord.
1: Okay, good morning. Um, If you can keep your Bibles open at uh, 1029, that's page 1029, Or keep your order sheet at the passage in Luke, and that'll be great. We'll be looking at the first and um, few verses that Louisa read for us, verses 1 to 6. But shall I just pray before we start? Dear God, thank you for your word, and thank you for what it has to say to us this morning. And I pray that you will give me the words to say, and you'll give us ears to hear as we look through it this morning together. In Jesus' name, amen. Preparation, okay? It's a word that maybe it fills you with dread as we come towards Christmas. I'm going to give you some facts, which you probably won't appreciate when I'm done. Did you know it's 18 sleeps to Christmas? That um, you have 15 days before you can post your last Christmas card through Royal Mail. You have three days until, when av- on average, most people put up their Christmas decorations. Um, we haven't got ours yet up. And if you've got children, this is the one I didn't believe, typically you'll have started your Christmas shopping by September the 29th. I mean, really? Oh, maybe it's just me. Um, but, the, but the other encouraging news is that, on average, um, most people return four gifts that they're given each Christmas. So that's encouraging when you're trying to find just the right thing. Um, but certainly, there is a lot. It's a time when there's a lot to prepare for. Um, but in Luke, in this passage, we see a different preparation. And not preparation, I guess, for presents and for buying and for catering, but a preparing the way for the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at um, this morning. And I think there's three different things um, that the passage tells us about why we should prepare for the Lord. The first is because the time is right. The second, because we need to turn and to repent. And the third, because there's a tremendous result. Um, Yeah, I kind of had to work on the last one a little bit. It doesn't fit so nicely, but at least it's a T and an R and maybe it'll be easy to remember. So here we are in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and, and to give you a little bit of context as to where, you know, where Luke's come to now, so, so Luke is he's one of my favorite Gospel writers. He's the calm, collected one, okay? He's the one that's very organized and very methodical. He, he says at the beginning of his Gospel that he wants to write an orderly account of things, which, which um, suits me just fine. Um, and and Luke actually introduces John the Baptist from the beginning of his gospel, um, and so right from the start, we get to hear about John in chapter one. So we hear first from an angel in one seventeen, and the angel says, "And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And then the angel continues to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then later in chapter one, from Zechariah. where Zechariah prophesies, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And so we see Luke brings this kind of theme of preparation and preparing, especially about John the Baptist. And that's what we'll look at this morning. Um, Luke then in 2 talks about Jesus, and then talks about Jesus coming to the temple And then we make it to chapter 3, when Jesus and John, who were related, are probably in their 30s. Okay, so firstly, if you look down with me at verses 1 and verses 2, okay, in this big list, and we see that the time was right um, for John the Baptist. So Luke gives this great account of everybody who was important at that time. So we have a Caesar, the Caesar was Tiberius, a governor, Pontius Pilate, three tetrarchs, whatever they are, kind of little tin pot rulers, Herod, Philip, and Licinius, two high priests, really they should only have had one, but that's another story, Annas and Caiaphas. And then in doing all this, he's placing this account in history. So there's no doubt about when it happened, and also there's no doubt that it did happen, because it's a factual account, um, as the Bible is, I just want to, as an aside, uh, just uh, say this is part of the reason why, I guess, for me, that I believe I can base my life on what the Bible says, because it, the way it's interwoven kind of back and forth, because here we have um, this story about John preparing the way, and in our other passage in Malachi, we get the same clear reference to John. Let me just read it to you. Um, Malachi 3.3, 3, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Same language that Luke used. And then on down in Isaiah 40 verse 3 that Luke refers to, the same language, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And in total, there are 354 prophecies that reach from the Old Testament through to the New Testament and are fulfilled in the life and work and death of Jesus 354. And these are 354 prophecies through many authors, through thousands of years, right from Genesis right through to Malachi that we've seen, all fulfilled. And that's kind of the, if you imagine, if you think about it, the horizontal axis, right? They're all working through. But then there's the kind of the vertical, because this passage, for example, all four gospel writers write about it. And all four of them, from different human perspectives, they encounter and they write about the same thing. And so we have the Bible, and we have this passage that look roots us in factual history to say that this has happened. And we see then at the end of verse 2, the word of God came to John. I love the way Luke does it, because can you imagine what he's done here? He said, hey, look at the big cheeses, right? You've got all the most powerful people in the time. You have, you know, the Caesar, the governor, the Herods, they're all there. And then he says, the word of the Lord came to a man in the wilderness. Do You know, because you're kind of thinking, well, it's got to be these people, right? But no, the word of the Lord comes to this man in the wilderness. And then you say, okay, so John hears the word of the Lord. Well, what, what does he do? What happens next? And do you want to look down and see what it is, okay? Because you might think, well, John says, hmm, maybe just not now. I'm quite busy at the minute. Or he might say, I, I don't know how in the wilderness, but, but I'm busy. Or let me just check with a few people. Or he might say, you know what? This doesn't quite feel like the right thing for me. There's lots of reasons he might have said. But let's see what happened, okay? Verse 3, two words just at the start. Do you see it? He went. And that's a great challenge for us this morning. The time is right for us to prepare the way for the Lord. The word of the Lord comes to us and how do we respond and what do we do? Martin Luther King said, the time is always right to do the right thing. And God wants to use us right here, right now. And he wants us to respond to God's word. And that might be different things. It might be, as we're coming up to Christmas inviting people to carol services or to the crib service. It might be just chatting to people in your workplace or who you meet during the day about what Christmas means to you. It might be something different, something in the new year, taking up something new, responding to God's Word. But the point is, the time is right now to do that. And you may be thinking, "And that, well, John, he's a bit of a rock star, right? He did all these things, and so he's a special case. But um, I read a fascinating thing, kind of preparing, because when you look towards the end of John's time, Luke 7.20, you don't need to turn to it, it says that when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? That's an amazing statement, right? This is John who has spent he, he has been defined by preparing the way for the Lord, who said, "Look, here comes the Lamb of God." He did all these things. God used him tremendously. And then right at the end, he sends a message to Jesus to say, "Are you the one who is to come?" And so John, even John, had doubts, and we all sometimes may have doubts, but he still went. And he still responded to the word of the Lord. And so for us, we may not think we're superstars or rock stars, but God still wants to use us right now, right here. Okay, so secondly then, firstly, the time is right. Let's look at the message that John brings and what's it all about. So follow down, we're now in verse 3, working through So it says that he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, it's not one of the most popular words, repentance. I put it there with maybe sins, trespasses, hell. It's kind of in those lists of words that it's not really uh, so nice to talk about. But really, repentance is just saying to turn around, okay, to change your mind, to change your actions. You know, we all do wrong things, and even, I guess, in our good days, um, I don't know about you, but we don't do all the things we hoped we would. Um, and, we, um, you know, we slip up and we don't meet our own standard. And the first path in getting right with God is to repent, or is to turn around and say, you know what, I want to turn my back on those things that I've done, and I know I'll mess up, and I want to get right with you and put your, my trust in Jesus. You know, I'm having fun um, relearning all the primary school maths that I learned when I was young, um, through like Rory and Eve as they come. Because would you believe it, right? They don't teach it the same way. And so now, rather than being taught a technique that just works but you don't understand, you now get taught actually what you're doing. Um, so therefore, you know what it is. You don't just have this clever tool. And that's, that's quite cool, actually. But they've been learning about angles and degrees. Um, For example, did you know that a pentadecagon is a 15-sided polygon that all its angles add up to 2,340 degrees? Pretty cool, eh? But we have this picture when when we talk about turning round, about degrees, okay? And turning round is literally moving and turning 180 degrees. And it's not 120. It's not like a little bit, but you're still looking back to where you came from. Or it's not, you know, just, just nearly making it. It's a full turn of 180 degrees. And that's the kind of the, you know, that's the picture for us of that complete turnaround. And that's what the message is and the challenge is. Do you know, one of my favourite films uh, of all time is called Blindside. Um, I'd recommend it if you're looking for a good film uh, to watch over Christmas. Um, It's not a complicated movie, Um, it's it's got a good, feel-good message, but it's based on a true story of a young kid, Michael O'Hare, who's adopted by a family in America. And this is one of the kind of key moments in the movie, which, trust me, looks great on a laptop at home, but you may not actually be able to see anything up here. But, But do you want to have a look and see?
0: What is he wearing? It's freezing. What's his name again? Big Mike. Where is he going?
1: Hey, Big Mike. Where are you headed? Jim. Go ahead. Turn around.
0: big Mike.
1: Step four. So, so this is picture in the movie where Sandra Bullock, who plays the mum in this case, they're driving on the road, they see big Mike, he's going to the gym because he's got nowhere to stay and that's where he can get some warmth and uh, they ask him the question he replies and then they set off again in their car and then she thinks about it and then she says turn around. And they go back, stop the car, pick up Mike, and the rest is the story in the movie. But I think sometimes for us, do you know, that, that we, can, we can, as we listen to the message, and especially the message of Christmas, you know, we can listen, we can ask questions, we can talk about it, but then we can just drive straight by. And the challenge that John brings and for us is that it's a turnaround, a turnaround and a repentance that goes with it. And maybe for some of you, I guess, who have made that turn, there are still some things which you, you still keep looking back to. You know, maybe there are some, um, you know, maybe it's things that you, you like to return to. Let's call them guilty pleasures. And that might be maybe anger or it might be materialism or it might be uh, bad relationships or it might be a whole range of different things. But I guess it's saying, you know, have you left it behind and have you turned around? So lastly then, third thing as we look at the passage, is there's a tremendous result. So the last line of this um, section, verse 6, it says, And all people will see God's salvation. Jesus came to give us life, and life in all its fullness, and that is the great gift he offers us at Christmas. That God so loved the world that he sent his Son, that whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting Life And as we make, if we make that turn and put our trust in Jesus, we, we can turn towards Him, God's salvation, who brings us life. And it's interesting, if we look at, uh, you don't have to glance at it, but the passage that was read from Malachi, it talks about this process of taking a journey with Jesus as that of refining silver. And that's a really nice kind of picture, because a silversmith was once asked, well, what does that look like, refining silver? And he said, well, you take the piece, you take it and you hold it in the fire. And you hold it in the hottest part of the fire and you watch it very carefully because too hot and it'll get consumed. And not hot enough and the impurities don't fall off. And so you're holding it there. And then the silversmith was asked, okay, well, how do you know when it's done? You know, How long do you hold it? And the silversmith said, Oh, that's easy when I see my image in it. And for us, as we turn around, and as we set off on that journey with Jesus, it is like that refining silver because he holds us tight and he's watching and looking out for us that even when it's tough, it won't be too hot. But he wants to refine us. And what he wants to refine us is so at the end, we will be made beautiful and we will look like Jesus in how we act in our relationships and the way in which we deal with people. We'll become Christ-like so that he would see his image in us. And that's a tremendous result. And that's the great news of how the Bible and how Jesus can change our lives. So just finishing, as Christmas approaches... Let's, as a church, prepare the way for the Lord. Let's be a voice in our community or in our workplaces or in our teams and clubs or social circles because, firstly, the time is right. Secondly, the message is to turn. We need to turn away. And thirdly, there's a tremendous result. God wants to do a good work in all of you. So let's just return, just in finishing, to... Luke's introduction. So he sets us in time and space, in this moment in history. And so let's see if we we translate that across to the scene for us today. In the 64th year of the reign of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, when David Cameron was Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Alex Sharma, MP of West Reading, and during the time of Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, The word of God came to you. What happens next?